Our first lesson is found in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. From Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with a song. God reigns over the nations. He sits on his holy throne. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our second lesson is found in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. But I Pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms." For above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, 
not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory Glory to you, you, O Lord. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he, blessed, while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Well, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace are yours from Jesus Christ, our risen and ascended Lord. Amen. Well, today, uh, I'm going to ask you a question as we get started, which is this. Uh, how do you solve a problem? How do, you, um, how, do you, how do you find yourself solving a situation that seems at first kind of complex? Are you one who just dives in and sort of gets your hands dirty and tries to figure it out from the inside? Or, or are you one of those people who likes to kind of step back, sort of observe a situation, Maybe make a list of the things that need to get done and then sort of check off the list as you accomplish the problem. If, you, if you're one of the, the first ones, you know that there's satisfaction in the job done, but you also probably will acknowledge that that's not the most efficient way to solve it. Right? The most efficient way is to make a list and to break things down into manageable steps and to accomplish those steps as they go along. And as you accomplish those steps, you find yourself at the end of the task with a completed list and you can kind of sit back and go, Ah, right? Ah, mission accomplished. I did what I needed to do. I got it done. Well, if you were listening closely as Pastor Max read Luke 24 just a minute ago, you you might have noticed that Jesus essentially makes a list in the text. He makes a list for the disciples to show that his mission, his work here on earth was accomplished. He he starts it off with this this sentence, this statement. Everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Everything that was written about me in the Law of Moses, right, which is a way of describing the first five books of the Old Testament, what's typically called the Pentateuch, the prophets, both the major and minor prophets, right, major prophets meaning the amount that they wrote, so somebody like Isaiah would be a major prophet, and the minor prophets, the the smaller books, not that they're any less important, but like Amos, for example, a smaller book of the Bible, and the Psalms, the, the worship book of God's people from all time. And what a gift those those scriptures are for us. And Jesus points to those and says, everything about me that was written there had to be fulfilled. And he kind of makes it into a list, right? He says, this is what was written. 
First thing he says is, this is what was written, the Messiah will suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Now I want to break that up because I think that's the checklist. It starts off with the Messiah. Messiah is another way of saying the anointed one, the one that God has chosen and set apart for his purposes. And so you say, was Jesus the Messiah? Well, we call him so, and so do the scriptures. And the Old Testament points to the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. They point to the ways the Messiah would be. You could turn to a spot like Psalm 45, for example. Psalm 45 says this, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. That anointing act, that's the Messiah. That's the setting apart. That's what would happen to the one who would be the Messiah. And you notice that it would be set above all of his companions. Speaking of a greater Messiah, the fulfillment of David's line, the fulfillment of the one who would sit on the throne of God forever. Well, was Jesus that? Was he, was he God's anointed one? Well, again, think back in your memory banks in the times in Jesus' life. When you go to his life, you realize that Jesus was anointed. You can read about it in Mark chapter 14. It happened in a town named Bethany. And remember that because that's going to come up again. That's where Jesus was ascended. There in Bethany, his, his whole self was anointed by a woman who poured this oil on him, who anointed him. And remember, they, they tried to rebuke her. And Jesus said, she is anointing me for my burial. She's showing that I am the Messiah. I am the one who has been set apart by God. You could turn to other places in Jesus' life as well. At his baptism, when the voice of the Father speaks, this is my son. Same is true on the Mount of Transfiguration. And the voice of the Father once again says, this is my son. Jesus was the anointed one. And, and some of these disciples, some of these very disciples had been witnesses of these things. They saw it. But now as Jesus was opening the scriptures to them, they saw it, now they understand it. Jesus is the Messiah. Check that box. The Messiah will suffer, he says. We know about the sufferings of Jesus. We, we commemorated Good Friday not that long ago. We know about the sufferings of Jesus and we know that they were foretold in the Old Testament. Turn to one of those major prophets, the prophet Isaiah. In chapters 52 and 53, the part that we call the suffering servant. I'm going to read to you a part of it. It sounds like this. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, that we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. The Old Testament spoke of those things. The prophets testified to them. And now some of these same disciples who were with Jesus on this day, learning from him as he was teaching, some of those same disciples had been with him at the cross. They had all known what happened to him on that day. They know that Jesus had suffered. The Messiah will suffer. Check that box. But he, he's not done. He says, and will rise from the dead on the third day. And how amazing is this? Easter one more time, right? And I'm sure they loved to be reminded of that. And here was Jesus standing in their midst, preaching to them, teaching them. And you say, well, the Old Testament also speaks of these things. Again, turn back to Isaiah 53. 
In Isaiah 53, verse 11, it says, after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. He will see the light of life, foreshadowing the the resurrection of the promised suffering servant, foreshadowing the resurrection of the one who would be the Lord's Messiah. And it's not only there that we see resurrection in the Old Testament. David wrote about it in the Psalms. We, we see it also in the book of Job. As, as resurrection is spoken of, it's all pointing to what Jesus would do. And Jesus fulfilled it. And they got to witness it. In fact, here was Jesus standing in their midst, very, very much alive, Not just spiritually alive, but in fact, in Luke 24, Luke tells us that Jesus there in their midst ate a piece of fish. He's physically alive. He's standing in their midst. Messiah will suffer. And on the third day, rise again. Check that box. Accomplished each one of those things Jesus did. And as he accomplished them, he fulfilled his purpose. He fulfilled the mission for which he was sent. But he's not done talking, is he? He says all those things will happen. And then he says, and forgiveness, repentance, excuse me, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all Jerusalem, beginning in Jerusalem. Well, hang on. That hasn't been fulfilled yet. And in fact, in fact, that seems like something of an outlier, doesn't it? Because each of the others focused on what Jesus would do. And now this last one, he says, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. It seems to indicate that this action is going to be performed by somebody else. And so we'll get to that in just a minute. But I want to look at the accomplishment, what Jesus has done, the fulfilled list. Jesus has done the work that the Father has sent him to do. He has come to be our suffering servant. Salvation is accomplished. Our forgiveness is won. It is complete. And when it is, and when he points it out to them, Luke tells us that he led them out to Bethany, the same place where he was anointed by that woman. He leads them out to to Bethany, and there, standing in their midst, our, our forgiveness paid for, he goes to present his work to the Father. And right in their very sight, right before their eyes, he lifts up his hands to bless them. And as he blesses them, he ascends up into heaven. He goes up into heaven, returning to the Father, returning to the one who had sent him, returning with his mission complete. And and every time I preach the Ascension, I always point out how important Revelation 5 is and how important it is to see the the Revelation version of the Ascension as well. In Revelation chapter 5, there's this little gap between verses 5 and 6, a little gap where the Ascension belongs. Listen to this. I'm going to start with verse 4. This is the Apostle John writing, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or to look inside. Notice what he's saying. The one who can do this work is not currently present. Now verse 5, then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. The work of Jesus Christ is accomplished. And then verse 6, then I saw a lamb looking as if he had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. You see, that's the ascension from the other side. The work of Jesus Christ accomplished. Now he goes to present that work to the Father and to take his rightful place once again on the throne of God. Jesus has gone, ascended. He has gone to present his work to the Father. He has earned our forgiveness and his ascension seals the deal. And now go back to the text. Because back in the text, 
we go back to the place where a new list is made, where we acknowledge the rest of the story. You see, those disciples who were there that day, they had been eyewitnesses to all of the boxes that, the boxes that Jesus checked. They had been eyewitnesses and had seen it all. However, seeing wasn't believing then either. Our eyes can deceive us, can't they? We know this to be true. Everything that we see with our eyes isn't always as it appears. In fact, in fact a few years ago, my family and I, we were in, we were in New Orleans, Louisiana. And we saw um, not this not this sidewalk art, but we saw one by the same guy. And if you look closely at this picture, you'll notice this kid is actually not walking across a rickety wooden bridge over a deep hole in the sidewalk. No, he's, he's on a city street. That's actually a chalk drawing. And the chalk drawing is done so well that it actually gives you the illusion of three dimensions. And if you go there and you see this happening, this is what we experience. The, the drawing itself is all elongated. And if you stand over it, it doesn't really seem to make complete sense. You sort of look at it and go, this is kind of a terrible chalk drawing. But if you step back and from the right place, if you get the right perspective on it, like you see here in this picture, you get the right perspective, and all of a sudden it seems to pop and it seems to be something that it's really not. Our eyes can deceive us. The disciples were eyewitnesses of these things, and yet they didn't understand them until Jesus opened the scriptures to them. They didn't understand them until Jesus allowed them to know these things. Jesus put it all together for them. He let them know what he had accomplished on their behalf. He let them know about how it was fulfilled. And now they understand that they're about to be clothed with power by the Holy Spirit. That's going to come at Pentecost. We're going to celebrate that next week. But Jesus is making them a new list to be accomplished of the work that they are to do to preach to all nations, to begin in Jerusalem. But first he tells them to wait, to wait until Pentecost comes. And they know this task is in front of them. And now as Jesus departs, as he ascends from them with the blessing, it says they went continually to the temple and praised the Lord. They worshipped him there. They worshipped Jesus for all that he had done. And so we could start to say this is a list which we can fulfill. This is a list which is a calling for our life of discipleship. And the list goes like this. First, be forgiven. This is what Jesus Christ has done on your behalf. What Jesus Christ and he alone has done on our behalf as he was crucified and rose again on the third day. As he ascended and, made seal, and, and sealed the deal for us with the Father. Be forgiven. Receive the word which is given by the Holy Spirit, which Jesus had promised. The gift, free gift, that he gives to us of his word, poured out and interpreted in our lives through his power. Be forgiven. Receive the word through the power of the Spirit. And then worship continually. Praise and adore Jesus for what he has done on our behalf. Giving thanks to him in all aspects of our lives. And then, then we go about the task of preaching his name. You might say, well, preaching, that's the work of preachers. And that's not just for those who are called and ordained servants of the word. Preaching the word is what we are all called to do as disciples. What we are called to do is we declare the praises of the one who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. As we speak of the things that Jesus has accomplished on our behalf, as we declare to others that Jesus loves and forgives them too, that Jesus' work is completed. And then you might have noticed I... I put a number five on there, and the number five is repeat. 
to always go back in the process, to remember that you are forgiven, to go to a place where you receive the forgiveness of sins, to once again have the word poured into you through the Holy Spirit, to return praise and to worship continually and to go about preaching the word. And then you might notice that I also left number six blank. It's not because I I forgot what that step was. It's because I, I want you to be so bold is to fill that sixth step in with an actual name. You see, making a list is the best way to accomplish a task. And when you make a list and when you write that down, it stands before you, inviting you to fulfill this work of Jesus Christ. And as you look at that, you start to say to yourself, I want to make a list and I want to get things done. Not just the problems of the world that I face. I want to make a list and I want to get things done. The things that Jesus is calling me to do as I speak of his name, and as I let others know that the world is loved by him. Make a list. Get it done. Who's on your list? Reach out to them for the glory of Jesus Christ. In his name, amen.